welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Ooh. Oh, Broads. What was that? That must have been a ghost. <laughs> it must have been a ghost. I mean, you know this house is haunted. Well, that we're recording. Maybe not the studio, but well, the house attached. I'm really excited because you said... um, you know, you said like, I think it was only like two weeks ago we gave an update and you were like, yeah, no, we haven't had any, um, any activity. And like, I think we literally talked about, you and I talked about this last week. You were like, no, I told, I told the spirits like, don't bother me. I don't <laughs> want to see alone. you. It's been fine. And then it's been fine for months. Now that you booked this paranormal investigator who's about <laughs> to join us on the show, you teased me saying that there has been some things there have, that have gone down. There have down. been some happenings. We'll, we'll get into it. So all of a sudden there's spookiness, but we do have someone here today. We ha- we are being joined by a paranormal, paranormal investigator and, expert. And not only is this, this is like paranormal investigator goddess, because this is someone so respected in the community. We're talking shows to the, you know, paranormal state, paranormal lockdown, portals of hell. I discovered her via our best friend Roz's podcast because she is the regular that everyone's upset with it's Katrina Weidman. Yay, welcome. <laughs> Hi guys, thanks. I'm very excited to be here. I know we've been chatting for a while yes. to get me on here and I'm so excited. I am absolutely thrilled. Like I was telling you before we started to record, I love all of your episodes with Roz and when you responded on Instagram, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> so many questions. Well, and Jess also said, Jess was like, no, like Katrina is like the, 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 the expert in the paranormal world. That's what she said. And then also something which I think will be interesting to get into. Jess really liked how you sort of have a kind of. Like you're, you're not one of those people who's like, yes, I know ghosts and demons are real and I talk to them and they speak through me and to me like you're sort of you stick a little bit more to the objective facts yeah, uh, it, of things. Yeah, I think it's really important. And it, it's funny because there, there are people in the community who they use their whatever faith they have as kind of how, how they work. Mm-hmm. A great example of that is Lorraine and Ed Warren. They were right. Catholics, so they were religious demonologists. Um, one of the challenges I see with that, though, is that um, not everybody who works that way is upfront about it. So when they mm. say things like, I believe there's a demon and this is what a demon does, they say it as objective fact. And people who are going through hauntings or need help with whatever is going on in their home, they don't know that because they're not in the field. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you have to be really, really good about breaking things down because even when you're talking to a witness, they have their own biases. They have their own filter that things are going through. So I find the biggest part of our job is being able to strip all the extra and get to what is really going on. So how I like to work is I, I'm i very upfront with our clients. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell them, here's what a religion would say. Here's what a cultural belief would say. Here's what we believe as investigators who work very objectively. And, you know, we don't know what this stuff is, but we can like kind of document some of it. Um, And what does all that mean for you? And let's find a way to move forward. Is it hard for you to stay objective after having done this for so many years? You know, what's funny is that I, it's easier now. I think when I started in the field, I was, I'm sure there's like old interviews. I know, actually, I know for a fact, there's an old (laughs) interview of me somewhere for like 12 years ago 
when they asked me about like my thought on skeptics and I'm like, they just don't know. Like, you know, I'm like <laughs> yeah. they don't know what they're talking about. And I'm like, I cringe at that because that was my own bias coming through, mm. you know, cause I had had experiences and how I had looked at the supernatural and the umbrella of the paranormal was how we're taught in media, right? So mm -hmm. we're taught through films and movies and books that this is what this stuff is. This is what it means. This is how it works. Um, but all of that stuff is very much filtered through someone's own belief system. Mm -hmm. So we're never really looking at it objectively if we're just paying attention to that one aspect of the paranormal. So after I got into the field and I've, I've started working with clients, it became very, very evident of how those biases play a part in how we describe and experience things, right. you know? So I have found it very, very easy to move away from that. And it's also so important, I think, to move away from that, unless you do want to work as a religious investigator, which there are plenty. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I go back to then we need to be really, really clear about how we're labeling ourselves in the field. Okay, so I want to know when you said that you've had experiences, I kind of want to hear a little bit about your experiences. And then also if you had any bias beforehand, if you believed in the existence of, you know, whatever you want to call it, supernatural occurrences. Yeah, so I, I definitely had a belief starting out. Uh, because again, that's kind of what I was taught. And I was, when I was a kid, I was really into the stuff because we did have experiences growing up. And I, I feel like I got a good balance of believer, non-believer, because my mom is full-fledged believer. My dad is full-fledged non-believer, okay. <laughs> you know, and my dad comes from a science background. My mom comes from an art background. Um, you know, they couldn't be more different when it comes to this stuff. So when we were kids having these experiences, it was, it was never like super encouraged, but it wasn't necessarily discouraged either. So it was a thing of, yeah, these things exist, but whatever, and kind of brushed off in that way. So that just gave me a hunger for wanting to know what it was. Yeah, wait, so you're when you're saying we, are you talking about like you and your siblings or like your family or like what? Yeah, what exactly are you talking about? Yeah, so my parents, uh, well, it was me and my siblings that would have experiences okay. um, in the first house we lived in. The second house we lived in, my mom also experienced things. Um, my dad, I'm... I'm a little unsure. I know there was one experience he had where he's like, that was really weird. And I don't know what to think of that. Um, but for the most part, you know, he's open-minded, but he's just very like, let's look at the facts. Right. You know? And um, so the information we were getting as in my siblings was, yeah, it exists, but you know, whatever. They would kind of brush it off a little bit. Um, so that kind of started me on this very long journey that turned into a career, which is odd. You know, I never expected this to be what I did. <laughs> like, you know? um, but uh, sorry, the second part of your question. It was, well, no, I, I guess I was just wondering what those experiences were exactly, if you want to get into any of it. Yeah. So when I was a kid, it wasn't anything crazy. It was like um, the earliest stuff I remember for myself was having a like just a really deep feeling a fear. Uh -huh. of, mm -hmm. I wasn't alone. I would, I mean, I, we had our own bedrooms. I would cry my head off if they ever left me alone in my own bedroom or in upstairs by myself. Um, I had this weird habit when I was a child. Uh, I'm a total shoe girl, right? I'm an accessory girl, like, right. which I do, you don't ever see on the shows I'm on because 
I can't really wear that stuff when I'm working in like a building that's been dilapidated for 20 years. Yeah. The hair but, and the makeup always looks fantastic. Though. <laughs> I try. I try to put some, stuff, some of my style in there. It's very hard. Um, yeah. So I had this thing that I would do when I was little where I would wake up in the middle of, of the night and collect everybody's shoes. And okay. I would pile them up. I had like a little child hamper. Like, how, would, like how young? Like, like three, five? Three. Okay. Three little, little. Okay. Got yeah, it. Little, little. And I would like pile them up and my mom would find me in the morning completely passed out, shoes everywhere. Because everyone was like, where are my shoes? <laughs> and, like, <laughs> You're they just were collecting just, them? Just collecting them, <laughs> a little hoarder. But what's weird is I have one really specific memory of doing this. And I was in my sister's closet getting high tops. And but I remember a sense of somebody talking to me and like not being alone. Mm-hmm. And I remember that very, very vividly. Um, so there were things like that happening. And then the first, uh, I guess, more objective experience that happened when I was a kid was I probably four or five, somewhere in that age range. And again, so scared to be alone. I have an older sister. She got very annoyed at that. You know, (laughs) she's a couple years older than me. So she wanted to be alone. She was walking down the stairs. She did not want me to follow her. So as she's going down the steps, she peeked through the banister to make sure I was in my room and she saw me sitting on my bed and I like turned and looked at her. So she's like, all right, Katrina's not going to follow me today. Mm -hmm. As she continues down the stairs, I'm sitting at the bottom playing with a puzzle. Whoa. And I remember, yeah, very (laughs) weird. So I remember, (laughs) (laughs) I remember us going back and forth of like a thing of how did you do that? How'd you get by me? I've been sitting here the whole time. What are you talking about? And, you know, never had a conclusion to that one. Um, and then it progressed from there. The second house we moved in was like footsteps and uh, lights going on and off. Um, the footsteps, I think, was like the biggest one in that house when I was a kid. And it still happens to this day. My mom still lives there. And um, she actually, interestingly enough, once I started Paranormal State, um, she started seeing shadows in the house. And she has seen a couple figures in the last couple years um, you would hear the refrigerator open and close on its own and somebody walk into the house through the back door and nobody would be there. Like multiple people have experienced this pretty much. If you've stayed in my mom's house for more than like two nights, you've heard this. Hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. But it, interestingly enough, it stopped once she got a new refrigerator. Hmm. So we don't have an answer to that. <laughs> so just like when I was growing up, it was very benign stuff. It wasn't until I entered the field where I think it was, heavier, more intense experiences that happened to me. Okay. How did you enter the field though? How do you go from just being interested to like making a career out of it? Yeah, it was very much right place, right time. I I firmly, firmly believe that something other than my own consciousness had plans for me because I, I did not expect to do this. This was the supernatural field. I thought if I entered it, it would be, maybe I'd write a book one day. You know, but when I was a kid, this wasn't a job at all. You had the Warrens and you had Hans Holzer. And that's pretty much it. Right. You know, you had, I mean, Duke University had a, um, had a department for many decades. um, And there were like some offshoots like that. But it wasn't like anything you could be like, I'm going to be a paranormal investigator. And they had like, here's what you need to do to accomplish that. Yeah. It's like Um, the first TikToker talking about TikTok before it exists. Just like, I don't even have a concept of what you're talking about. (laughs) Right. 
Um, so I was just super interested in the stuff, always researched it. Um, when I got to school, which was not supposed to happen, that wasn't in my plans. Um, I, I come from an art background, so I wanted to be a singer, songwriter, and actor. My parents are, they, they're in the theater arts and everything. So it's like what we grew up with, what we did. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, to do that, you don't necessarily need to go to school. And I was a really poor student. So I was like, I'm not doing that, you know. Um, And I was, uh, a friend of mine was going to Penn State at the time. And we had dropped him off. It was like an August day, dropped him off. They had one of those creepy ass conversion vans, you know. (laughs) Uh, And I remember sliding open the door, putting both of my feet on the pavement. And it was this overwhelming sense that I needed to be there. Hmm. And that I needed to go to school there. It was probably one of the most powerful sensations I've ever felt in my life. Like it was completely undeniable Mm. that I was supposed to be there. And again, I'm coming from a place of barely graduating high school, never took my SATs, was like a big middle finger to academics. Mm -hmm. And so I went to my community college when I got home and I'm like, I'm going to go to college. And they're like, good luck. (laughs) They're like, you're not going to get in. Shoot really, really low is what they told me. And, um, I was determined. I did really, really well in school and I got to Penn state. And when I got there, um, I had signed, they had a club, they had a paranormal club signed up for that. Oh my God, that's so fun. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> right? Immediately yeah. joining. That's, that, yeah. That sounds super fun. <laughs> yeah. And, um, at the time I had signed up, they were going, they had already filmed a pilot. And so they were looking for people from the club to join for the actual show. And they like kind of had these auditions, but they weren't auditions. You know, they were just, it was literally me in front of a camera, the paranormal group asking me supernatural questions. And then the producers being like, have you ever killed someone? Have you been arrested before? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. making sure you're not a liability. Right. And um, so I kept getting callbacks for that. And then they were like, okay, you're in. And I was part of their training course. So, um, which had like over 50% dropout rate. So it's like me and two other people that graduated from that course. And um, and then it just it literally snowballed from there. Wow. Wow. Hmm. Why do yeah. you why was the dropout rate so high? I know exactly why it is, because it's it's a club. And to give like uh context, the other club I was involved in was the snowboarding club, which was like you just get <laughs> drunk and go down a mountain. Yes, you know yes, what I mean? Yes, yes. So that's yes. that's fun. But <laughs> a paranormal club, it was like another major where we had You're taking papers. on a full time job. And yeah, we had written exams. Wow, okay. We had to what? do mock investigations. We had to I mean there were like Yeah, there were all these books we had to read. We had weekly quizzes. And so it was it wasn't like, woohoo, something right. cool. To do. We're yeah. not just like going like into and one of the dormitories in, about ghost in the dark, stories. like at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> going to a cemetery. Whoa. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, Broads, interrupting this spooky episode with Katrina Weidman. Uh, here's the thing when it's time to quiet down the world and focus on you, the slower, softer, dare we say, sexier side of yourself. Well, dang it, that's hard, okay? It's hard. There are about 1,004,012 things I can think of just off the top of my head that could get in the way on a daily basis. But you know what? You are too important. Finding time to unwind and relax is too important to let life stop you, which is what Dipsy is all about, carving out that little bit of time that's all about you, baby. 
Dipsy is a treasure trove of pleasure content. It's an app full of short, sexy stories, both audio and now written. I am loving it. It brings your most wild scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters. It feels like you're right there in the story. It's not corny at all. No matter what fantasy you've had, Dipsy has a story that will instantly bring it to life. Maybe you've always dreamed about your gorgeous neighbor with the British accent. Maybe you're into your sweaty yoga instructor. I, I trust, I, trust me, they've got a story to match every fantasy you have, promise. New content is released in the app each week, so you'll never have to read or listen to the same thing twice unless you want to, that is. And while you're on the app, be sure to check out everything else they have to offer, like their sleep stories and wellness sessions. There's so much to explore on Dipsy. And they're super inclusive with all the different types of stories they tell to us. Seriously, like this is, I think, an app that anyone can enjoy and uh, get their pleasure on in a new and interesting way. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an, ins- an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash chatty. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com. It's like a dip in the sea dipsystories.com slash chatty. That's dipsystories.com slash chatty. So no place on earth has ever humbled me more quickly than the wine aisle of a fancy grocery store when I was in my early 20s. Okay. I swear to you broads, I remember it almost like it was yesterday. I was in a rush on my way to one of my first real adult dinner parties. And of course, I didn't want to show up empty handed. So I stopped for a bottle of wine and instantly felt overwhelmed. What in God's name was I supposed to get? I didn't know anything about tannins or grape varieties. I didn't even know what was being served for dinner, quite frankly. Uh, Long story short, I bought a bottle based on the label and it was okay. It was okay. But it could have sucked because that's happened to me many times since then. Moral of the story, do not leave your wine up to chance. You can't just buy something because the label looks good. Guilty. But you also don't have to be an expert. You just have to know an expert like the folks at First Leaf. First Leaf is a wine club unlike any other. They make it easy to discover new wines you love without the hit or miss of traditional wine clubs. And that's because they actually take the time to learn what you love, what you don't love, and then they send you wine specifically curated to you and your taste. And there's really no risk because if you get a wine you're not 100% happy with, First Leaf will credit you for another credit you for another. It really doesn't get simpler than that. I love First Leaf because it has let me discover so many new types of wine I would have never even thought to pick up at the store. And I always have something I know I'll enjoy on hand, ready when I need it. In fact, I'm sipping one of the uh, varieties that First Leaf sent me at this very moment. Ah, Delicious. Sign up today and you'll get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash chatty. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash chatty to get your first six bottles for only $39.95 plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash chatty. Wow, that's intense. Okay, so then what What? What from there? So then we did Paranormal State and mm-hmm. um, I did that for a number of years and worked in the field and did lectures and events and then it snowballed into a bunch of other projects okay so before you did that and had all of the experiences with that like had you only had I mean obviously you had done all the studying and stuff and and whatnot but as for real life experiences was it just kind of those childhood experiences like were you sort of unprepared for what you were stepping into in terms of Mm -hmm. some of the intensity that you went on to kind of 
experience? Yeah, I think the intensity, I didn't experience that stuff until I got into the field. Mm. Um, I, I think the thing I was least prepared for was the mental, um, the mental health, excuse me, mental health issues that affect people that go through hauntings. I had no idea how mm. intense it was because my experience as a kid, they were scary, but they didn't affect our family. Uh-huh. You know, that we didn't have to like run out of the house at 3 a.m. We didn't have to move. We didn't have to, you know, go through that stuff. So when I joined the Paranormal Research Society, which was the group that Penn, um, Paranormal State was based off of, I became their case manager very, very quickly. And so every person that was vetted for that show went through me after like season one. Oh, wow. And so I would do, we had a, a very strong vetting system. I mean, many, many interviews. And what I often heard from people was that they were suicidal, they were homicidal, they were anxious, they were depressed. They, um, you know, I mean, the, the whole checklist of, <laughs> you know, mental health issues that you see like on a doctor form when you're, you know, given your health history was there. And I had no idea how to respond. Mm-hmm. I never really dealt with that, that I knew of, you know, from other people. So um, I was really, really lucky with where we were still living at Penn State during the time the show was being filmed. And they had a really wonderful community center there that was set up by graduate students in the 70s who were all psych majors. Mm. And they put together this really comprehensive uh, training class, which was like, I think it was like 300 some hours of training, then another like 40 hours of shadowing, and then like another, you know, so it was uh, hundreds of hours to train with them. And um, so I became a volunteer crisis counselor through them. And that prepared me really, really well for this field. It it, it was probably honestly, and even outside of work, the most invaluable skills I've ever learned. That's so interesting because like, you know, right away, my thought to ask you is like, how weren't you just aren't you just so scared all the time like aren't you so anxious and nervous putting yourself because I know a lot of times like with one of your shows you'd be spending the night overnight which is so frightening (laughs) the idea of that I wouldn't have even thought about like you were saying when you're interacting with the people who have been like actually experiencing this every single day what that looks like for people yeah and that's the thing like it's it's on paranormal state it was really intense because we were working with families Mm -hmm. and, you know, I think everybody is kind of like, these shows are all fake, blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, there are shows out there that are faked and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, but not every show is. And in the case of Paranormal State, you know, these were very much real people that Mm -hmm. were going through this. And um, I think one of the things that gets overlooked is that when people start to talk about this stuff, not every community is okay with it. Right. There's probably a lot of rejection that they experience. Like you're losing your mind. You're being overdramatic, et cetera, et cetera. Not like, let let me embrace you and try to figure out what's going on. Right. 100%. And it's also, it is so isolating Mm -hmm. for people who don't have a support system in place. And that the other part of it, some of them have support systems, but the minute they start talking about this stuff, they're cut off by their Uh, because their religion doesn't believe it, their community doesn't believe it, their work thinks they're crazy. Um, I've had clients that had child protective services called on them. And it's, it becomes that thing of, you know, I mean, we joke about it, right? Who are are you going to call? 
But really, honestly, when you go through this, who the F do you call for this? Right. Because you are so alone. And there is no control over these things because we don't know what properties make them up. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember my dad telling me about like, yeah, a client of his that and my dad just does like insurance, but like a client of his who they were experiencing some sort of haunting in their house. And it was it was literally to the point where like the whole family was sleeping in the living room downstairs. They were terrified. Eventually, of course, they ended up having some crazy ass like priest whatever situation come like I don't know it was it sounded like a movie right but yeah. he was like very um adamant that like no that was like something very real that like our whole family experienced together which still is really hard for me to comprehend because I just haven't gone through anything of like that level of experience sure. most people yeah. haven't I feel like I hear people too make comments like oh well if it's so creepy why don't you just move and it's like it just doesn't work it's not so simple like you know not everybody is just like absolutely like dripping in cash and can just like go you know buy another property before i mean that just doesn't work that way not to mention i would assume i'm curious if this is some of the people's like experience where you that, that you've worked with where you are experiencing something viscerally but then immediately you're like questioning it like almost right after it's happened like did you did you see that like a lot with people because i don't think i would ever like i think i would feel silly being like oh we're gonna put our house up for sale like that's you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it is people question themselves all the time um but i think the majority of people i've worked with they eventually get to a point where it's like they've seen too much to deny it Mm -hmm. um one some of my favorite witnesses to talk to are the ones who are like I was complete skeptic mm-hmm. and this is what turned me around because that is always really fascinating to me what was that moment that made you realize something is going on okay so how would you describe like okay let's say you're sitting next to somebody on the plane and they're like what do you do and you're like I'm a paranormal investigator like how <laughs> do you sort of like explain to new people you meet especially like you know you might say that to one of us and we're like oh my god tell me more like this, <laughs> let me tell you about like my house whatever whatever but I'm sure there are also people that are like yeah okay lady like mm-hmm. how, sort of how do you not that you have to explain yourself to people but if you were to like kind of how would you describe like what you do and and, and yeah yeah no it's a great question and I have a, an exact story of just that <laughs> um but it's funny a lot of times I'll lie about what I do uh-huh. because uh-huh. it's just like you know you're out and you don't want to have doing- it yeah I don't want to get into life and death right now, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's or deal with someone like me who'd be like, "Okay, I'm, I'm about to consume <laughs> oh, your time for the next 45 minutes because I have a million questions." I do that right. even with like influencer and podcast. I'm like, I do social media, yeah. Like you know, and people are like, just, "Okay, I don't care." <laughs> right. You just make it something where like people are like, "Oh, that's too heavy. I don't want to talk about that." Right. Yeah. You know. Um, but so that that kind of sets up this moment that I had, I was at Dragon Con a couple years ago mm-hmm. and uh, Dragon dra- Con? Dragon Con. Yeah, like what the is- dragon, fire breathing. What is that? Why? Oh, it's so good. It's one of my <laughs> favorite cons in this world. It's a con that happens in Atlanta. Okay. And I'm trying to think of when they started. They started, they've been around forever. And so it's just, you know, it's a conference, like a, a comic con or a wizard right, okay. world. And um, But about dragons? No. Nope. <laughs> it's just a super okay. cool name. You're like, no. Okay. 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 <laughs> um, but at Dragon Con, they have you share, you know, the rides from the hotel with other speakers to 
uh, you know, from the airport to the hotel. And I was with this older gentleman and his wife. He was a science fiction writer. And she came along like as his guest. And he was in the front. She and I were in the back seat. And she was like, you know, we were just chatting. And she's like, and what do you do? Like, what brought you here to the conference? And I was going to lie. And then I was like, wait, I'm literally at a comic con. Like, if there's any place where I don't have to oh, lie about. Oh, it is about- like a comic con. Okay, yeah, I'm still, like exactly si- okay, I'm still sitting here okay. being like, what is Dragon Con? <laughs> okay, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if there's anywhere I can be myself. Yeah, a sci-fi world. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I told her, I'm like, oh, actually, I'm a paranormal investigator. And she like looked at me. She was like, oh. She's like disgusted by you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. It was such a weird thing. And I was like, oh, all right. I'm like, you don't believe in ghosts? And she's like, no, I do not. And I said to her, I was like, like, you're in denial, bitch. What's (laughs) happened to you? Let's process it. And then let's talk about your sci-fi writer husband. Okay. (laughs) Right. No, I said to her, well, do you think we have it all figured out? Hmm. And she kind of looked off and looked at me like it was the first time she had ever considered that question in that context. And she said, well, no, I don't. I was like, cool. So that's literally my job. I'm like, I just don't think we have it figured out. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they are. I can't tell you what they are. I can tell you what a religion says, tell you what a culture says. I can tell you what I've experienced. I can tell you the patterns that we see that exist, but I can't give you definitive mm. answers. And that started a whole conversation with with us. And what was really interesting is I saw her shift in that moment of, oh, you know, and then it kind of goes back to what we started talking about at the top, which was how, you know, working very objectively Mm -hmm. and just breaking it down. Because I think, too, when we're especially when we look at media, like you you can pull out an old... um, an old play or movie or book, uh, Blythe Spirit, which is a play, is probably a great example of it because they bring in a psychic and she's really out there. And like, you know, and I think we've been so inundated with that imagery when it comes to the supernatural that people who believe in this stuff are just kooks Mm -hmm. that then we almost build up a bias against it instead of being like, well, look, maybe maybe that imagery is wrong too. And Mm -hmm. maybe there's something in the middle. Sure. Mm-hmm. What's funny is like my parents never really like either of them really experienced much, but like they both really believed it because like a lot of my um like my dad's extended family, like all my aunts and stuff, like they have like really weird like prophetic dreams and stuff like mm-hmm. that, or we'll mm-hmm. see things and then it will it will like happen. So they're like, well, I believe that. Like they're not <laughs> lying. Like something yeah. they're, they're not just like making it up, right? Yeah. Or, why would they? Yeah. Or like really weird situations and stuff. And I and. I've totally had that too. And so my parents are just like, I don't know. Some people are more like, like at our old, uh, one of our old houses, which we can talk about later, like both my brother and I would like have weird experiences. And my parents were just like, well, we haven't experienced it, but like, we believe you. But like, I guess more, some people are more like susceptible or like vulnerable or attuned to like supernatural experiences for whatever reason, which is interesting. Yeah, I think so. I I always kind of describe it as, um, you know, my husband wears glasses. I don't. Uh huh. So it's like my eyesight's just a little better than his, and he just needs a little help. And I think mm-hmm. a sixth sense is very similar to that. Huh. 
There are also people who like, so my boyfriend, he would describe himself as not believing in like ghosts or demons. But then also if you'd be like, hey, do you want to go to this like haunted house? He'd be like, no. (laughs) And then he'll also talk about his own experience on like psychedelics or like these other things where he's like, no, yeah, I've definitely seen things. But then like if you ask him about it, he's like, yeah, you know, but then he definitely in practicality, he like doesn't really want to mess with anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's par for the course for men. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we used to see it all the time in client-based cases. Um, it was normally, if it was a male-female couple, it was normally the female who always had experiences and was like, this happened, this happened, this happened. And the male was like, adamant, no, like you're crazy. You're making it up. It's got to be something else. You're misidentifying things. But what was interesting was there was always a flip. There was always that one experience that would get them. Uh-huh. And that's usually when we were called in. <laughs> okay, so why don't you tell about your, your guys' house situation yes. and tell her because, and, and also what's been going on recently, give us all the update, please, because mm-hmm. it was the same thing with Evan. They're similar. Uh, so a thousand percent, yeah. my husband, it was the exact same thing. It was, you know, I had felt, there'd been a couple times like in our, never when I was young. I don't ever recall anything when I was young, but as soon as we got married and moved into our first house, there were a few moments that I was pretty wigged out in the house. Like there, I'm like, I feel like there's something in the bedroom. And then I would wake up and I've had scratches on my hands and Mm -hmm. I'd be like, what is this? And I'd show him and I'd be like, look at all these scratches. And he'd be like, it has to be the sheets. And I'm like, well, what, why are they only on my hands? Like, I don't understand. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I feel like there's something in here. He's like, no, no, no. And then throughout again, our marriage, he would just be like, no, I don't feel anything. And I'd be like, is there a weird vibe in here? Or whatever. So Wait, when did you have scratches on your hands? Our very first house. Oh, that's weird. Uh-huh. Like on the backs of your hands? What no, you the palms. That's weird. So I'd have cut little cuts all over my hands. And I'd always feel really uncomfortable in our bedroom. That's weird. But it got shut down by, you know, he'd be like, no, it's just something. And then I would tell our friends, mm-hmm. who n- none of them, you know, were open-minded in that way. And they were just like, Jessica, you're being dramatic. Oh, and really? I was like, no, so no, literally none of them? Nobody. So I just never talked about it. Oh, whoa. But I would be like, look at my hands. <laughs> I'd be like, they're covered in scratches. Like That's it was weird. really weird. So again, might have been something I was touching, grabbing. I don't know. But it was strange. So then we moved into our current home, uh, which is across from a very large cemetery. And, you know, from what I had heard, I'm like, I I always feel like I hear from those in the paranormal world. They're like cemeteries. And maybe you can speak into this. They're like cemeteries aren't like what they say in movies. Like that's not where we always find action or movement do have you have you noticed that or is that something yeah I, I think again that comes from well so a lot of our myths come from our own fear of death right you know so when we look at you know the case of cemeteries and graveyards I mean that's very literally what they represent is like <laughs> right. the end and death and so I think there's just natural fear mm-hmm. of them and I think that's bled into a lot of stories Sure. You know, and it's kind of taken on a life of its own. But I I personally, I find them very peaceful. Yeah, me too. You know, so yeah. I'm never like scared of them. And I, I, I've only really think I've had maybe one to five cases where people feel like something has happened to them there that was, you know, maybe a little more um, intense than a Casper experience, you know? Right. 
Right. Yeah. Well, and that's so I had heard that. So when we moved in, I wasn't freaked out about living across from a cemetery. I'm like, it looks beautiful. Like, you know, and we weren't thinking about it. And then a few months after we'd been living there, we'd had a few babysitters who, when we would come home, would be like, has anyone ever told you that this house is haunted? And we're like, oh, wow. Huh? Like, no, we don't feel that at all. I haven't, no, like, my husband and I, neither of us had noticed anything, but every single babysitter we'd had had been like, I saw something move. I heard a noise. Like, I don't know. There's a vibe in here. And we were like, it feels so not that way. To us. <laughs> so, probably a year after we had been hearing these things from uh, the babysitters, and I had never even really thought of much, I started noticing weird things around the house where I would hear random, like, sounds and what would seem like random voices to me I would notice things randomly move um and then there was one day and I think that was the big turnaround for my husband where there was just this like big like doof sound and it would just be doof that was like that was like maybe that was within the last year right no that was like that's been like two and a half years now really wow yeah the time (laughs) nah it's only been a year (laughs) (laughs) but yeah just there was this loud like 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 doof sound and our dogs, I was like, come on, Boris, come on. He was just standing. I have a video of him just standing, just waiting outside uh, in the backyard, not wanting to come in. And we and my husband and I were both like, this is weird. And my husband starts getting a little like, I don't know. that It's just, what is this sound? I don't understand. And then from there, it just started to kind of escalate more and more at one point we were like the sound is coming from the attic it sounds like footsteps so my husband went up opened the attic all the boxes that we had up in the attic had been really close to the entry point so that we could grab them like christmas decorations they all had been moved and they were all Mm. at the back so then we were freaking out about that there was just random we would hear voices in different rooms and then when we would have people over uh there was a couple times when something would go like flying And just things like that. Yeah. So it was very, it felt very active and very like. Wait, what went flying? Oh, well, in here with our friend Brian. I remember, I remember you telling me about this. There was a speaker that just got thrown off the edge. Well, that's weird. We had the one toy that has no batteries in it that went across the table. And it was just like in front of my husband and I were just sitting there talking. It was just like, And then there was like things that would get knocked down. <laughs> oh, wow. And you're still <laughs> in this of house now? This we're still in the house. Yeah. We're, in, we're in it right now. <laughs> so, okay. So what ended up happening was I was starting, I was talking about it on the podcast because I'm like, my husband and I were starting to get a little bit like, I'm not liking the vibe because at first <laughs> when the voices were happening, I didn't feel, I'm like, I feel like there's a presence here, but it doesn't feel ominous to me at all. Um, and then my daughter started having a lot of nightmares and I would be woken up. There was like a two month period, I think where I would be woken up um, at maybe like two thirty three in the morning. And I'd hear this like weird ringing and I'd walk into the hallway. It was always in the hallway and it felt very scary. Mm. And I felt really afraid for the first time and I'd walk in, there'd be this ringing sound and I'd enter in. And when I would walk past a certain point, the ringing would stop. And then I'd go back and the ringing would be like, I couldn't quite find because I'm like, is it a pipe? What is it? It sounds like it's in my own head. But when I move, it will go away. And it would always be at that exact same time, like in the middle of the night or early morning. Um, 
And then around that time, too, we had some random old man show up at our doorstep and leave a old photo of our house uh, from like the 1930s, like a black and white picture. And he just left it there and then like disappeared. And we never spoke to him. And he just <laughs> without a note. And so this was all happening. We we're like, what is going on? Our neighbor gave us dolls that were like used to be here from like the original owner and they were very old and kind of creepy and that was around when we brought them in we then got rid of the dolls um and then i at around that same time i by via suggestion of some people i started to say like please please leave us alone like you're scaring us like please whatever you're doing it's it's just like you're scaring my daughter and that seemed to work because then for numerous months, there was no, I felt nothing. There was no activity at all. Mm. Um, and then just in the past two weeks, there's been activity again um, where both my husband and I, and again, it's confirmation now from him where he was just like, I don't like this at all. I don't like this at all. Where we're just hearing, we're both hearing like almost like the sound of a radio at random points, like above us. Um, that's like right. You did tell me talking about that in the background. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then, uh, two days ago, my husband was in a room in our house. And so it's strange because we have like our bedroom and then our daughter's room and our daughter's room has a lock on it, not from her side of the room, but from our side, like going in. Did, was that an add on or it, no? It was, yeah. it, it was, uh, that, no, that has always been there, but they made it. They like, they put up a wall and a okay. door. Okay. So that's always it been there. It was one there. big room before. Yeah. But like they made it separate so that someone could live there, uh, before we moved there, like a sec, like a roommate. And so my husband showers often when my daughter's at school or at camp, it's the best shower. In the house. <laughs> he'll go in the back there and he'll shower. Well, I'm sitting in the living room and our daughter's gone is at camp. And all of a sudden I hear Jess, Jess, and I'm like shouting and he's like banging on the door. And I'm like, like, I hear banging on the door and I go into our in, into that back room and he's like, why'd you lock me in? Whoa, that's weird. And the door had been locked from my side. So right, he right, couldn't. Right. I have never in my life touched that, that lock. Door. Nobody has. It's never, it's a, it's kind of a hard like lock to get to. So it's not even, no, it's never been touched. And I said, did you close this door when you even walked in? And he goes, no, I didn't close the door. Why would I close the door? And he was locked in. That's weird. And then yesterday, oh my, my daughter had lost a tooth. Um, and she decided that she didn't want to put it under her pillow yet. She wasn't ready to give it to the tooth fairy. So we put it in a little plastic bag and she put it next to her bed, but Aww. not under her pillow. Well, she wakes up the next morning and she goes, Mom, why'd you move my tooth? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I walk in and the tooth had been moved from her next to her bed to the like her little vanity on the other side of the room. And my husband hadn't touched it. We talked about it. She didn't. I, unless she again woke up in the middle of the night, slept, walked, and moved her tooth over to the other side of the room. So weird. There's just been weird happenings again. So yeah. okay. Yeah. So I want to know what the what you hear from this are like patterns that you see in like paranormal things because I feel like just hearing people's stories, there's always like overlap of certain occurrences and yeah. like what you personally make of that, if anything. Yeah. So patterns become really important to us as investigators, because there's no way to prove or really disprove at this point, but there's no way to prove 
what these experiences are. Sure. So, you know, even like we were talking about earlier, it might not be the afterlife. Everybody kind of has this assumption that it is. And maybe in some cases it is, but maybe ESP has nothing to do with that. Right. You know, um, so there's all these kind of nuances that exist. So we're always looking for patterns because they can help us determine um, what types of things do we need to look for. So one of the ways we do that, uh, for example, you guys have probably seen the equipment we use in some of the shows. Right, like, right. All, we love blinky lights. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> we're like cats to catnip. We just love a good blinky light. And, um, but the thing is, the, the misconception about those devices is, is that they can prove a ghost is there and they don't. Mm-hmm. What they do is we're trying to have pieces of equipment that can back up our subjective experiences. Mm-hmm. So this is where patterns come into place. When we're talking to somebody, well, actually, I'll ask you, since you live in a haunted house now, or you're, you live in a house <laughs> where you're having things happen, are, is there any ever a moment where you get a subjective feeling that something's not right? Yes. I will say more often than not, my feeling has been there's someone else in here, but it doesn't feel ominous. There, you did when you woke up in the middle of the night that one time. Remember, oh my God, you were like so you that, were like dude. so scared you didn't want to move. Yeah, there's been so many things I just forget. I like it's yeah, literally yeah, like yeah. constant. But most of the time, over the mass majority of our, because we've been in this house for about I guess almost five years now. It, ha- it just feels like there's a presence, but it doesn't feel frightening. But then there ha- there was that like period that all of a sudden both myself and my husband We're are like, there's out. something wrong in here. Like this energy is not good. We're scared to go get you water. You were like staring. You were staying at when Evan was gone. You were staying, at, staying your at your mom's, mom's house because I did not want to be alone in the house. Both my husband and I, my, listen, he's not like this guy who gets really like nervous and scared easily. He wouldn't like we'd put water by our bed because we wouldn't want to get up in the middle of the night and have to walk into mm. like that hall area because it frightened us. Yeah. And of course, and, we're trying not to let on to our daughter that we're like terrified. <laughs> we're right? like, it's I, all good. <laughs> okay, broads, one more quick pause. So here's the thing. When we come upon something that becomes an obsession for us. Uh, we do feel the need to share it, okay? And lucky for us, one of our new obsessions happens to be an amazing partner of ours now, okay? And I'm about to make your life so much better when I tell you all about this brand of modern Chinese sauces called Fly by Jing, okay? Oh my God. When I tell you the level of delicious is 1,000 out of 100, I mean it. Oh my God, every single product's amazing. Fly by Jing makes high quality Szechuan sauces and pantry essentials that bring premium Chinese flavors to every table. All of their products also are 100% vegan, all natural, non-GMO. You can put them on anything, like anything. They recommend putting them on everything from plain rice to fruit to roasted chicken to ice cream. And I have tried it. It's amazing. The entire experience is elevated with restaurant quality flavors and spice. It just like, 
it adds a little something to anything you're making at home. There's a lot of really amazing stuff to try. So if you're wondering where to start, we'd suggest going with the Triple Threat, which is Flyby Jing's best-selling trio of unbelievably delicious Sichuan sauces. So good. And by the way, Flyby Jing is a female-founded company. Jing Gao founded the company in 2018, inspired by the amazing flavors of her hometown. I'm telling you, broads, buy two because you're going to find yourself putting them on everything. If you're ready to step up your game and elevate your favorite recipes, get 15% off your entire order at flybyjing.com slash chatty or use code chatty at checkout. That's F-L-Y-B-Y-J. ING.com slash chatty for 15% off your first order. You can also find Flyby Jing at over 2,500 locations across the country, including Costco, Whole Foods, Target, and um, Wegmans. Thank you, Flyby Jing. We love you. So, broads, I have to say, one of the best goals, intentions, whatever you want to call it, that I've set for myself in the past few years is to be inspired and learn from people that are just the best at what they do as often as I possibly can. I've been using Masterclass as my sort of epicenter for continued inspired education and broads. If you were considering signing up or waiting for a sign, consider this it, okay? I've been able to learn so many new skills and concepts with Masterclass from some of the brightest minds in their fields, okay? It's one of my favorite ways to pass the time, to be inspired, to learn, to grow. It's incredible. Oh, I love Masterclass. You can learn from the best anytime, anywhere, at your own pace, um, Guys, I've talked about it before. I am utterly obsessed with David Sedaris's storytelling class. Jess and I talked about it months ago on the podcast because it gave me all these ideas of how to interact with strangers to find new interesting... St- okay, anyway, I could go on and on. Anyway, love David Sedaris's masterclass. Highly recommend it. Um, I also have Chris Jenner's masterclass now on my must-watch list because I saw it on Kardashians. Um... You can do everything from tracing your roots through food to taking a class on how to capture your vision with photography. You can take an acting class from Samuel Jackson or Natalie Portman. Hello, where else can you get that kind of instruction? The coolest part about Masterclass, in my opinion, is that it really works for your schedule. Like I said before, favorite way to pass the time because I can do it on my schedule so I can learn on my own schedule. You're not having to sit down and carve out hours of your time. You can literally sit down for 10 minutes if that's what you've got. I felt super inspired to take Neil deGrasse Tyson's class on scientific thinking and communication. And let me tell you, I have been loving it. I just feel, oh, it just makes me feel alive. I love it. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. And as a Chatty Broads listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash chatty for 15% off masterclass. That's masterclass.com slash chatty for 15% off an annual masterclass membership. But it's an interesting thing because when people get stressed, when people get scared, their body Uh reacts to it. So, you know, you might feel your heart rate go up. You might sweat. You might get inflammation even in your body because you're so stressed out. Um, So a lot of things that we hear from people that experience activity is I felt cold and then something happened, Mm -hmm. or I felt like there was um, pressure on my chest and then something happened. So a lot of the equipment we use is to back up subjective experiences. So that's why you'll see us with um, thermal cameras. That's why you'll see us with, uh, we'll hook people up to heart monitors sometimes um, something to, you know, measure their heart rate or uh, blood pressure. We've done that before. Okay. Um, we've done um, 
uh, we've measured people's brain waves before when they've lived in haunted houses to see if anything's going on. Um, the the REM pods are probably the ones that comes to mind to like when people start thinking about this stuff and what they are is uh, they emit their own electromagnetic field. And whenever something breaks that field, they'll sound off. And there's a lot of things that can do that. Our cell phones can do it. You know, uh, we ourselves emit electromagnetic fields. I mean, there's so much in the world that does that. Right. But what's interesting is that um, there have been cases where we've seen abnormally or abnormal levels of EMF where people do claim that place is haunted. Hmm. And so then the question becomes, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Right. And I think it was Harvard. I might be misquoting the the university, but I think it was Harvard who did a study on it. And they found that when people are blasted with EMF, they think they're having paranormal experiences. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, so then that becomes the question, too. Is it when we see these abnormal levels of EMF, are people... Uh, is it, you know, some sort of hallucination, like a physical hallucination that's happening to them? Or is it opening them up to something? You know, what does the EMF stand for again? Electromagnetic fields. Okay, 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 okay. Mm-hmm. So and especially as more technology comes around, you know, we're just kind of surrounded by them even more. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's kind of where the equipment comes into play. And until we know what makes up these experiences, we won't ever have a piece of equipment that can tell us what something is. That just also reminded me, I remember people saying that, which one's the bad one? Carbon monoxide or dioxide? Uh, monoxide? Monoxide, monoxide, right? Yeah. yeah. Everyone I've, was messaging me about that. Yeah, They're like, yeah, check yeah. your levels. I'm no, like, yeah. we did. Because <laughs> I've also heard that like throughout history and like, you know, and, and now, you know, if people have high carbon monoxide levels in their home, mm-hmm. they will have like these experiences that are also sound really similar to people's like paranormal experiences which then like you're kind of saying it's like oh well which like is it what if carbon monoxide poisonings opening (laughs) us up to the other side like yeah i mean it sounds silly but it is funny how they like correlate the experiences yeah we we actually had clients um i think 2008 was the year that it, that's exactly what was going on. They were they were very convinced that they were having that they were living in a haunted house, um, and we we had actually somebody come out. So and that was something we did a lot when we worked with clients. You know, we had a psychologist on board. Mm-hmm. We had um, we had an, an electrical engineer on our team, and I think that if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was our our electrical engineer who was like, we might want to check what's going on in the house because there were certain things they were saying again we you look for patterns mm-hmm. there were certain things that they were saying that we were like maybe we should bring in somebody to check their furnace sure enough they were having a leak but it was such Whoa. a low level leak that it wasn't going to kill them overnight it was slowly poisoning them ah! as they lived through the house that's yeah. terrible but it does happen and um the show actually ended up replacing their furnace for them Whoa. because i mean i mean they were you know they were on a collision course with yeah. that um, and then there's also things like mold. Mold can do the same thing. I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. So Interesting. I, like being, and that's where I go back to, again, we have to be really, really clear if you're going to be in the field and you're going to work, especially if you're going to work with like homeowners and it's not just, you're going out to the prison for a fun night, you know, sure. of, right. You know, we, we really, really got to be clear about what type of investigators we are because there might be somebody who leans more into their, their faith. When investigating, and they want to check for, they might not check for those things. Yeah, right. they want it's like confirmation bias thing. 
Are there certain places where you see? Okay, wait, wait, wait. No. So, do any of Jess's occurrences have to do with like certain patterns that you see? I will say this too. When you were talking about like the cold or the heat or whatever, we've never, we've never had an experience in this house that was like, oh my goodness, we were like dripping in sweat, or all of a sudden we were like freezing cold. It's typically sound in the house um, until you know we had a few things get knocked over move doors locked teeth being relocated (laughs) type (laughs) stuff obviously the boxes in the in the attic moving um yeah yeah I I think the pattern's just you know I it's funny I would have to do an intake with you to really get to the meat and the potatoes but just from what you're saying it sounds like the frequency increased Mm -hmm. right is that true yes yes um so that's one of the things we see normally it starts off you know, you think maybe something, maybe you saw something on the corner and you're like, no, nah, okay, it was my imagination. Mm-hmm. And then maybe six months will go by before something happens. And what we typically see is that it just, those increments get shorter and shorter and shorter, yeah. and they tend to get more intense. So maybe it was like just a little noise you heard, mm-hmm. well, maybe two years from now, it'll be a full on voice. Yes. You know? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that definitely was the case where it was like certain footsteps or sounds before and then like full conversations in the room next door that both. I was so happy when my husband was like, oh, my God, what's going on? I'm so nervous because I was like, thank God it's not just yeah. me because I'm like, I'm losing my mind and I'm not going to yes. talk about it because I was like I said, I came from this background where I'm like, it sounds like I was like, I'd be embarrassed to share it with my family because they'd be like, Jessica, you're you're losing it. So I'm like, when right. he all of a sudden was like, uh, I'm too nervous to stay here by myself. Remember he stayed at my mom's yeah, house no. when I was yeah, gone yeah, yeah. too. He was like, I don't want to stay here alone. Well, when you were gone, isn't that when the speaker moved yeah. off? Yeah. 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 I remember that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I'd say like just off the top, those are two, as far as the activity goes, those are the two patterns that stick out. Mm-hmm. And then like, obviously you have the pattern of like the, the relationship dynamics that come into play that are really, really typical for right. living in a haunted house. Hmm. What about like the witch? Like, is is there such a thing that you've observed as like a witching hour? Because I remember when I was younger, I used to always wake up at like, I remember what the time was, but I used to wake up like within the same 15 minutes every time at night. And what you're talking about is like, I would always experience like this fear, like this kind of like thick blanket in the room, almost like feeling like way down, mm. like with fear. And I'd wake up like a, a similar time every night. Like, is that something that yeah. So there's, I mean, there's definitely religions and cultures that believe that. And, sure. um, you know, I think the, probably the one that everyone's really familiar with is probably the Christian view of that, uh-huh. which is 3 a.m. because it's a mockery oh, is that- of, yeah, it's a mockery of Christ. So um, you'll, I didn't, you'll, wait, I didn't, wait, I, I, I don't, I don't I actually know about that. I know about okay. that. Yeah. yeah. So you'll see that in uh But it used to happen around 3 a.m. I will say, like it did. And I didn't even know about that. So but it's really just the thing of I, I don't really think there's any specific hour, like objectively. I think what it is is when during waking hours, right? During the daytime, we are so busy. There is mm-hmm. so much going on. There's so much to take our attention away that we're and, and even, man, you know, you think about how we operate today as humans versus how we even operated back in the 80s or, mm-hmm. you know, beyond that. Right. We are so, so... Um, uh, distracted. Distracted. Thank you. We were so distracted with so much to do to the point where if we're not looking at our phone researching the movie that we're watching, we feel like 
what am I doing? Like, oh, I got to do something. Mm-hmm. Right. Like our attention is just pulled in so many directions these days that when, you know, we finally have a moment to lay down or just to be, you know, we're really getting in tune with us and our surroundings. And I think if you're intuitive on any level, that would be when you're noticing activity more. And so that's, that's a question we get a lot of times of like, why do you guys only investigate at night? And the thing is, we don't, we'll, we'll investigate during the day. But when you talk to clients or witnesses, they will talk about experiences that happened at night. So does that mean that the activity only happens at night? Sometimes, but not necessarily. It just means that's what people are experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so you always kind of want to put yourself back into their shoes to see if you can find a pattern there. Yeah. Wait, so what's the mockery of Christ thing? Why is that 3 a.m.? It's because I think he died at 3 p.m. Oh. So then it becomes... The reverse. Yes. I know that. Remember, that was a big thing in the 80s. Like, we're going to, if you listen to it backwards, it says this, and that's (laughs) demonic. Cause, like, yeah, I remember I had a Bible teacher who was like, Satanists will call him Natas. You like say it backwards. (laughs) I don't know if that's true. Maybe it is true. I don't know. I'm not a Satanist. Although Natas sounds like a really cool name. I know. I like that. Yeah, it's kind of sexy. Okay, so I'm sure you get this question all the time, but like, what is one of the scariest things you've experienced as an investigator? We have to know. And yeah. also, I would say, like, what was the most like, like visceral, like for you, like undeniable, like this is like happening right in front of me, kind of experience? I'd mm-hmm. like to know both of those. Yes, I can tell you both of them, and they are both probably my scariest. Mm. Um, so the scariest one, I was working in the UK in a town called Pontefract. And we went to a place, um, you know, it was a twin house and the whole neighborhood was set up like that. And what does that mean? Like it's, there were like two houses, like a, almost like a townhouse, but there's only two. Oh, okay. So they're split right in the middle. Okay. And the house has had a haunting since 1966 that we know of. And the family stayed, but they had a really, really intense haunting for decades um, and in 20, I want to say 2012, a film producer bought it cause he made a movie about them. And so he just, he bought the house and he still owns it today. So you can go and investigate. Whoa. And we stayed there for like five days. Decades. The family stayed there for decades. Okay. Decades. I will say things aren't simple, but that's a really long time to stay in a house. That's super haunted. <laughs> yeah, they did. And it, the haunting started very randomly. Um, and then it just like went full force. And then it kind of tapered off the longer they stayed. But we were there and we had heard from multiple witnesses that they they had a coal hole is what they call it. Mm -hmm. And it's a big closet where they would keep all their coal. Mm -hmm. And they still had it. And it's it's like picture like a big walk-in pantry is basically what it was. And we had heard from multiple witnesses that people had been scratched in there. And so it was like our, I think it was the last night of our investigation. I was, I split off from the group. So there were only three of us um, that were investigating and I split off from the group. They were upstairs. I was downstairs. I went into the coal hole and I could feel something was off. And I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about because you live in this. Like you just know when something doesn't feel right. Yeah. And so I was standing there and I could tell something's not right. And um, I started feeling this intense burning on my lower abdomen. And I knew from talking to so many people that when they get scratched, they always describe it as like the most intense burning they've ever felt on their skin. Whoa. 
What? So I started to feel that and I immediately started saying, no way, no way, no way. And our, um, since, you know, you know, we wear mics on the show yeah. and our director of photography, who was our cameraman, he, he did so much. He could hear me. So he was like, he heard me saying that. And I was like, no way, no way, no way. He's like, cat, cat, you okay? You all right? And I lifted up, I was wearing two shirts, lifted them up. And I had two fresh scratch marks on my lower abdomen and uh, they were like cat scratches <laughs> to the point where like little bits of blood were coming out of the one because it had ripped through. I don't have an explanation for that. Whoa. Um, and again, I'm a objective investigator right. is what I like to call myself. But in that moment, um, I, I, so I worked with Lorraine Warren for a number of years. Wow. And again, you know, she's a religious demonologist. So her view <laughs> in that moment, all I heard was her voice. Mm-hmm. And I about... I, I lost my damn mind for like 30 minutes. I could not comprehend what had happened. There was, there was nothing to make sense of it. And when that happens to you, when something happens that isn't supposed to exist in this world, uh-huh. your brain really tries hard to do gymnastics to make sense of it all. And when it can't, for me, it was like the foundation of everything I thought I knew changed. And I like, I wanted to cry. I wanted to run. But I'm very stubborn and I want to like allow myself to do that. So mm-hmm. I stayed. But um, that was a, a moment that really changed, I think, mm-hmm. my, my thought pattern. What is, yeah. is which show? What episode? Like, yeah, people that, watch was, this one? that was on Paranormal Lockdown and it, we did a Halloween special. Okay. And yeah, so I think in America it's called the Black, no, yeah, it's called Black Monk in America, but they call mm. it 30 East Drive and, um, UK writing that down and then the one that was like a visceral more of a visceral thing and this is why again I say it's so important to pay attention to those subjective experiences because right. they do lead to things our bodies are amazing instruments at telling us when something's not right right is, you know we have to listen to it um and I was again this was on paranormal lockdown and we were at trans Allegheny and we, um, in the show, it, they make it look like we're in this hallway for like maybe five, seven minutes, but we were there for hours and mm-hmm. we were there for hours because we all felt like something was wrong. We could just feel it in our body. Nick was having anxiety. He couldn't explain. I was seeing shadows that like we couldn't capture on camera. Our, again, our director of photography, Rob, he was hearing footsteps rush up on him, but we couldn't capture them. So we were all having these things and we could tell something was really, really wrong. So then, you know, flash forward and Rob is saying that he's seen something on his camera that he's not seen with his naked eye and that it was like right behind me and Nick. Um, Nick and I had cameras. It wasn't showing up on our cameras. Um, And it was like this anomaly that morphed into like three different shapes. So it started off as a ball and then it like morphed into something that looks like it's crawling. Then it morphed into something that's slithering. Ew! And, yeah, that's a demon. It's really, <laughs> like that's a demon. Yeah, it's really <laughs> weird. And it's, it's uh, so we don't have an explanation for that. We watched it back in real time. Um, and at that, in that moment, we couldn't tell how shape-shifting it was. We only saw like, because, you know, it's dark and you, you, you know, bumping up the color on the camera and all that stuff like that. It, it was hard to do in the moment. So we didn't fully see the image until they had it in post-production and then we could see everything and we were like, holy shit, what was that? And, um, 
you know, I still don't have an answer to this day. Um, it's funny. There's, there's like people that are like, Oh, it's, I saw somebody like, I think it was like YouTube who was like, it's a bunch of rags that they're dragging across the floor. And I'm like, how, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how rags can. Wait, this is also more. a paranormal lockdown. Yeah. yeah. What are the, what are the keywords of this one? Cause I want to also look this That's, one up. I think it's just called trans Allegheny. I think they just okay. called it that. Oh wow. yeah. Because, because like you were saying that, that, subjective thing is so interesting and i'm yeah, yeah it's so it's so curious to me too um when it goes from and that's again from like a, um, a purely investigative standpoint when it goes to feeling totally fine being in the being in one room and being like it's fine to all of a sudden something happens where you're just like something's wrong and like yeah. what yeah what what is that even like because that's something that you know all I can speak to is like my personal experience. I'm like, and that's one of the things that my husband and I have talked about that feels very odd and why we sometimes feel weird talking about it because we're like, yeah, sometimes and for months it's, there's nothing feels off. Even when there feels like there might be something in the space, it's totally fine. So when people are like, you got to move, it's like, yeah, but most of the time it feels fine. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, it'll just be like, why is there this really weird, like dark feeling that I don't know quite how to put into words. Like, I don't know yeah. what that is. Yeah. And that's Ooh. instinct. I mean, that's just your instinct taking over. And it's funny. I, I've shared this story a couple of times recently because it, it happened this, I think it was this year. Somebody tweeted me and we were talking about these subjective experiences and the guy wrote, he's like, we are the only animals who ignore our instincts. Hmm. And I was like, holy crap, you are so hmm. fucking right because we're taught Mm -hmm. I mean, think about how many times <laughs> when it comes to ghosts that we're taught to ignore it. We're taught this by the time we're very, very little. You think of the kid who's like, mom, I, I feel like there is something in my room with me. And what do you say to them? Because you want them to feel better. Nothing it's there. not there. It's your imagination. So from those moments, we're, we're so taught reason everything away. <laughs> That's and so true, though. It's like a dog. If yeah. something scares a dog, it runs away. We don't do that. You don't like do a boo. And I'm like, ah, just, like, just okay, there's definitely. I don't want there to be anything. Yes. I'm, I'm just of trying course. to put my daughter to bed and watch TV. I don't have time to deal with a spirit right now. It's <laughs> inconvenient. Spirits are inconvenient. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think? What do you like? I, I just was saying like you say that you don't even know like what's kind of your theory though like if if you as of right now if you had one about like what's going on I think there's a lot of different things going on sure so there's been cases I've been on where it does seem like there's some sort of connection to what we would probably call an afterlife so um a really great example of that is I worked this case Years ago, uh, I 100% believe the family. They were very forthcoming. Their MMPIs came back with like flying colors and we couldn't find anything wrong with their house. Um, they had multiple construction crews quit and leave their tools behind, which it, if hell? you guys know any contractors, <laughs> they don't do that. Uh -uh. <laughs> That's uh, their no. livelihood, you know? So um, we very don't much like believe that. them. We don't had experiences there. Um, but what was interesting is one of the figures that they saw was a past owner and who was also related to them, but the children had never seen like a picture of this guy before. Mm. So we did a photo lineup with the children and they, they picked out the correct person. 
Whoa. And yeah, so, you know, that does seem to suggest, yeah. oh, there's something of this person that we're now experiencing. Sure. Um, but then we also have to ask, well, is that like a heaven and hell thing that we would think of? Or is there something else that we can't even comprehend that ha- that's left over of us? Right, some energy or something. Yeah. Right. Ooh. You know? what? It, well, what's that one movie with... Uh... As I can remember, absolutely none of the actors' <laughs> name who who's are, who are in it. Uh, is it Interstellar? I think it's Interstellar. Did you ever see that? No. Uh-uh. I'll, I'll, well, have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like basically the the plot of the movie is that this little girl is experiencing like a ghost in her room who knocks books off the shelves or whatever. They do this like I'm gonna explain this movie terribly, but they go into outer space her dad time goes by decades because when you're in outer space traveling at the speed of light time on earth goes by you know way slower or whatever and then there's a point a point where he's in a black hole and then he's like in this weird third like in this weird dimensional space where he's like in the library and he's like knocking on the book and it's like in the past where the book's falling off the shelf and that kind of like tripped me out because I was like whoa what about just these other dimensions like what if it's like I don't know what if it's even like the same person or like us like in another dimension or some sort of like alternate universe or what happens to consciousness you know um where does that go when we die right um and then you know esp what is esp uh because like to your point people having um premonitions or dreams that come true um or i i mean i can tell you i've worked with really incredible psychics that know things that there's no other way that they would know other mm-hmm. than having some sort of ability that we can't measure yet. Definitely. Um, so I, I'm one of those people that I'm kind of like, I'm open to it all until we can prove sure. that it's not there because I think there's too many people over too many years over, you know, throughout the world that have had these experiences that it's kind of silly to brush it off yeah. at this point, you know, like, why do we brush that off? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. So I, I'm in the camp of, I think there's a a variety of things that are happening. And I don't necessarily believe that they're all the afterlife. I don't necessarily believe that they would be what we call supernatural. I think the majority of things are probably just things that we don't understand yet. Yeah. Have you seen a way Mm. for, this is my last question. Have you seen a way for people to get rid of these things happening in their home? That works. Uh, Yeah. So that's the thing. It's hit or miss. Um, and again, because we don't know what caused us these experiences, it's a trial and error. And so we can never make a guarantee. And so I've been with clients where we try something and it works. Uh, we've tried something and it's come back. Or we've tried something and it hasn't worked. And so the general rule of thumb of what we do is we go with that person's belief system. Huh. Um, so if, for example, we have a... Uh, a family that's non-denominational, but they want something done, we might do like a white candle ceremony where you're just kind of putting really good energy into the space. Mm. Um, If they're Christian, we might bring in a priest. Um, You know, if they're pagan, we might do a ritual that's part of that faith. I I have one of my pagan friends, she used to do something and I can't remember what it's called right now. But, you know, so we always try to go with their faith system. And then if that doesn't work, we'll try something else. Um, Generally speaking, though, my favorite thing to do with clients is to have them start recording what's happening. Like, I want them to be like little scientists in their home of like, you know, get a journal and write down when things happen, write the time, the date, 
the moon phases, the weather? Did you just have a fight with somebody? Was it a particularly great day? How are you feeling? How is your body? Um, you know, what was the tension like in the house? Write down all of it because that could be a really invaluable tool for us because we might, one, start noticing patterns that we can then maybe document, you know. But the other side of that is I think in my experience, what really causes a lot of distress for people in these situations is that they feel like they have no control over the one place where they're supposed to feel sure, at home. Yeah. And it is so disheartening. Yeah. And that's where you see a, like a plethora of issues come in. And so I, I always think the most important thing is to put that control back in their hands. Mm. And it's a thing of, we might not ever be able to fix this for you, but we can make it so you feel like you have ownership of your home again. Hmm. You know, and you still might be scared and there still might be things that happen that, you know, are going to catch you off guard. But I think once you start realizing, okay, you know what, this is what happened. This is how it made me feel. This is, you know, the time of day it happened, blah, 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 blah. It does really, really help. Has there been one or two things in particular that you've noticed that have kind of helped get them away, get whatever's happening to go away that you can think of? Yeah, I'll go back to that case about the... uh, the children who picked out the, it was like their great, great grandfather. So we had investigated their house a few times and we kept in touch with them for a really, really long time. And um, so they were a Christian, some form of Christian. I I can't remember which denomination, but you know, we did, I think they had a priest come out on their own. We had a priest come out. Uh, I think we even did a pagan ritual at their house. Um, You know, we just tried a bunch of things and they would go away for a little bit, but then they would come back and usually with a vengeance. So when we started figuring out that one of the elements they were dealing with could be something left over from this grandfather, or it seems Mm -hmm. to have an attachment to this grandfather, we looked into his background and he was from, I want to say he was from Eastern Europe, but I can't remember which country. And as we were kind of going through his background and his country's belief system, there was something in his country where they were like, to keep a spirit at bay, you have to take an iron nail and hammer it into their grave. Whoa. Like it has to be like six, six, six inches down or something like that. And we were like, you know, do you want us to try this? And the clients were like, sure. So we found his grave. We got like an iron nail, hammered it into his grave. And that was the most peace they had for the longest amount of time. What? After that. Yeah. So it did come back from my understanding, but that was the longest amount of peace that they had had. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it, but I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So cool. Well, thank you so much, Katrina. It was awesome having you on. I love getting to pick your brain. Uh, Amazing. Can you tell our listeners the best places to find you? Yeah, usually in a haunted house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're looking for social media, yeah. I'm I'm on all the favorites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, um, all at Katrina Weidman, uh, which you smell my last name, We ID Man. And I'm there. <laughs> and Perfect. then Portals of Hell, the latest season is now like completely out. I love that name. It's Thank so you. ridiculous <laughs> and wonderful. Like <laughs> so good. Yeah. It fits us. So yeah, Portals to Hell is out on Discovery Plus. You can stream seasons one through three. And they are all there for your viewing pleasure. Yay. Oh, it's awesome. So good. Well, thank you so much again. You're and, amazing. Uh, and uh ooh, chat soon. Chat drops. soon. <laughs>